as we know from these scriptures, as Jesus went about the countryside preaching and teaching, we know that he often used parables, parables, word pictures to illustrate the truths that he was conveying and the messages that he would give. But strangely, and we don't know all of his reasons why, Jesus would sometimes also use those same parables to veil the true understanding of his words. Now here in this parable that Jesus gave, he did both. To some, he chose, at least for the time being, to conceal the true meaning of his words. But then to his chosen disciples, he chose to pull them aside and explain the true meaning of this parable. Listen, beginning in verse 4, When a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. He told them, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, these other people that were gathered there that day, to the rest it's given in parables. That seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, Jesus said, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. But these have no root, who believe for a while. But in times of temptation, they fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. I'd like to begin today with a story about an interview that television host Larry King conducted some years ago with Billy Graham. In that interview, Larry King asked Billy Graham, what are your thoughts as you watch all those people coming forward each time that you have an altar call? Billy Graham responded, I think about the parable of the soils. And with that, he began to explain this Bible account that we have before us today, the sower and the four kinds of soils. Billy Graham said he realized that not all of those people who were coming forward, though perhaps well-intending at the time, would actually be saved that day. Among those people, there was going to be a varied mixture of souls, some wanting to be saved, but others who simply were so unhappy with their circumstances of life 
they knew that they really needed some kind of change to take place. They weren't necessarily seeking to know Christ, but they were willing to try anything to find some relief from their troubles. And so as with the four different kinds of soils that are spoken about here in these words, there was usually that varied mixture of souls that would be coming forward at those altar calls. And because that was so, some of those coming forward would truly be saved, but then others, others, unfortunately, would not be. Now, why would that be so? Why will that perhaps always be so? Why would God not just save every one of them that came forward that day? The answer to that question is truly a mystery to us. But we do know that God is sovereign and that he makes choices about all the things that take place on this earth. And especially as he draws men and women to come to him and always intermingled, always intermingled with his making of choices is the mystery of what we like to call our free will. Our free will. And somehow, both of those essential elements are a part of that equation. God sovereignly making choices and men and women exercising their own free will. And we're told clearly in Romans chapter 1 that within that mixture, within that mixture of God's choosing and man's responding to his call, each person is left without excuse for what takes place. Each person is held accountable for the decisions that they make. And the problems and concerns can be many. When faced with the difficulties and the obstacles of life, this thing that we like to call our free will can sometimes, even often, cause us to make willful choices that we really should not make. Our will can quickly take us down paths of self-reliance and self-preservation and self-gain. Those are paths that we should not travel, folks. Just as with this first soil, we can make choices that will carelessly allow the devil to slip in and to steal away the seeds of the gospel that have been sown within our hearts. With all of its self-centered tendencies, our will can become our greatest hindrance, preventing us from moving on forward with that loving and gracious gift of salvation that God is offering to us. Folks in Christ, God has already done his part completely. In Second Peter, the Lord tells us, God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Christ has died there on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then by his spirit, God draws us to Christ. And that's sometimes taking place during an altar call. Drawing us forward to accept and to receive Christ's provision. But still, still even with all of that provocation and drawing and wooing, too often our will interferes and it takes control. And we turn and we walk away, incomplete in our salvation. Sometimes our rejection of Christ is intentional. But at other times, it's subconscious. It's an unknowable response to us. But all the same... All the same, a decision is made for us to keep our life the way that it was without Christ. Now again, why would that be so? 
Why would we so foolishly reject eternal life with Christ? A life that's filled with blessings and joy while we're here on this earth, but also eternally in heaven. And to instead desire to keep our miserably wretched life of self-seeking and of dissatisfaction. What could possibly be the cause of such foolish behavior on our part? Some of those reasons are given here in this parable. Listen again to these words. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes in and he takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they would believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in times of temptation, they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and they're choked with cares and riches and the pleasures of life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. Now in this first word picture, as the seed, the word of God falls on the soil of our souls. And our soul is of the kind that is described here as being by the wayside. The devil and his demons quickly descend on that word to keep it from piercing down deeply into our soul to bring about our salvation. Now, at first consideration, that would not seem possible, that demons could have power over God's Word. And that would most often be true, because God's Word truly is more powerful than Satan and his demons. But folks, listen. It's clear within these scriptures that God also makes certain allowances to Satan. God has given Satan a certain kind of kingship, authority over this world and over the world's activities. You can see it taking place every day. And in such cases, it's only as you and I would step forward to reject sin that Satan loses his power and his ability to control us. Now in this seed that falls on the soil by the wayside, these people may truly be seeking a change in their lives, but their souls are still too wayward too unyielded, too hard to receive the seed. And so the devil and his demons quickly come and take away the word out of their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. Folks, yes, you and I are always ultimately accountable for the choices that we make. But we should also know that there really is another element that's always at work. It's Satan and his demons. You may not want to believe in them even, but Satan and his demons are ever and always present. And they're busily working to steal God's blessings away from us. How do we know that? Jesus just said that. That's how we know that. Now look again at the passage. This next cause for a turning away, not receiving God's salvation. The second soil, the rocky soil. Verse 13 The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. But these have no root, who believe for a while. Did you hear that? Who believe for a while. But in times of temptation, they fall away. Now again, by these words making reference to times of temptation, we can recognize that demons will always be at work to defeat us. But don't be on their efforts. This kind of soil reminds me of our flesh and our free will and how it will 
reach out to make most all the choices. And folks, as I mentioned a moment ago, we will always be accountable for those choices. Our flesh loves the things of this world. That's why God tells us to love not this world, neither the things of this world. Our free will in making choices will always be accountable for those choices. Now here in this particular soil, it's too hard. It's too rocky to receive God's word. And that brings to mind the kind of work and mission that John the Baptist was sent to carry out. John the Baptist was sent ahead of the Lord Jesus to prepare ye the way of the Lord, to preach the need for the recognition of sin and for repentance from sin. Folks, listen. Repentance removes the rocks and softens the soil to receive the word of God. And as with this second soil, we might, when we first hear the word of God, get very excited about it. And to some extent, even believe what we're hearing. But unless and until the soil of our soul has been softened by the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin, and until we begin to respond with repentance, we'll not be able to grasp the real need for all those demands that need to be met in our salvation. And as with this second kind of soil in times of temptation, we will fall away. Folks, a great warning must be taken about this kind of soil. Listen carefully and note again that we might believe for a while. And we might truly believe that we believe. Even become regular churchgoers. But though we believe that we believe, our belief does not reach deep enough to bring about real salvation. And that's why we can fall away. Folks, with that kind of belief, we can fool ourselves and we can fool other people. And that's an awful state to live out the days of our lives within. We believe that we believe, but not to the depth that will bring us salvation. And folks, listen. In that final accounting, when that day of judgment comes, God will be compelled to say to us, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. How awful that will be for us. Mm. Now this next soil, this third soil, that can be best described by the word quandary. Quandary. Because those who live within that soil, they truly live within a quandary. Now while some Bible scholars do differ about whether or not this soil represents people who are truly saved, most of them agree that these folks that are described with this kind of soil, they truly are saved. But they're just caught up within the problems of their free will. Listen to these words again, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Now in the words bring no fruit to maturity, folks. I believe that that is evidence that these people who live within this kind of soil, they truly are saved. In order to uh, bring forth fruit, even though the fruit may be stunted, those branches need to be abiding in the vine, and the vine is Christ. And so I do believe these folks truly are saved. But unfortunately, even though salvation may have taken place, Here, the world, the flesh, and the devil are always immediately and powerfully at work, ruining every 
good thing of salvation that they can. Listen to these words again. Such a wretched condition. Listen. When they had heard, they go out and they are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. And they bring forth no fruit to maturity. God forbid we should allow such things to take place, folks. But they do. And seemingly far too often. In these words, these hearers receive the word. And they're saved. But immediately they go out and they're choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of daily life. They get back to their old way again. They're not leading a changed life. And listen, when we get caught up in this kind of lifestyle, we can find all sorts of excuses for the misguided things that we do. The complete tenor of our daily existence can get caught up in busying ourselves with meeting our own needs first. Yes, we attend church, but not faithfully so. After all, after all, aren't we supposed to enjoy the things of this life? We work all week, and all we have is the weekends. Can't we have a little fun too? And besides that, my work sometimes prevents me from going to church on Sunday. How often does that happen? And also, after we bought our home, my wife needed to go to work to help pay for it. And with all of us working so hard, we're just plain tired. We're just plain tired. Sunday is a good day to sleep in. And oh yes, Sunday is also the only time that some of my friends are available to come over and visit with me. And they don't go to church and I don't want to go to church and leave them there at home. So I just stay home with them. And when I go to visit them at their house, they don't go to church and so neither do I. And also that money thing, that money thing that gets talked about in church, that sometimes bothers me. The church seems always to want more and more money. And even when I do feel convicted to tithe or to, and to give to missionary support, with all those things that I bought recently, my home, my new truck, and also that new 4x4 four four that I bought, I really don't have much money left. A question. Do some of the things that I've just said to us sound familiar to you? These are the circumstances of life that this third soil describe. The cares, the riches, the pleasures of life that choke out the Word of God and render us unable to bear fruit in our relationship with the Lord. And folks, sometimes, sometimes we just get so ashamed of our behavior that we just quietly stop going to church altogether. It's an awful way to live. Saved, yes, but not even speaking to the beloved Savior who gave everything that we might have life. Now, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God we don't have to remain captive within that quandary of life. We really can surrender our life, our habits, our behaviors, our families, our friends, our finances, to Christ, our Savior. And we can abide in the vine and begin to produce fruit. Fruit that is sweet. Sweet not only to our own taste, but sweet to the taste of all those around us, and especially our family members. Now finally here, we have the fourth soil. Listen to these simple but profound words. But the seed that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, 
with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In this fourth soil, our souls can find pleasant rest, folks. Jesus said, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We can find rest in this fourth soil. We can flourish. Uh, We can show forth all the fruit that the Lord Jesus can produce in us. But folks, listen. Before those good things can begin to take place, you and I really do need to get serious with the Lord. We need to get serious with the Lord. And that seriousness begins with surrender. Surrender. Not commitment. Not commitment. Commitment will come later. The first thing you and I have to do is surrender. Surrender everything that we are. Everything that we have. Everything that we want to be. We need to surrender it all to Jesus. It's only in surrender that things that are spoken about in this fourth soil can truly begin to become a reality in our daily lives. And contrary to all that we believed before we were saved about how we could find enjoyment and fun and entertainment, listen, real joy, real fun, wholesome entertainment is far sweeter when, when we abide now in this fourth soul. Real fun, wholesome entertainment is so much sweeter when we abide in this fourth soil. Real pleasure, folks, comes from abiding in Christ. Jesus said to us, I came that you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. And we can. You can. There actually is more life, abundant life, in surrender to Christ than we could ever hope to have in the things of this world. And they're all good. And they're all wholesome. They are things that you will not regret later. But on beyond the benefit that will come to us, we'll be able to produce fruit that will glorify God and will benefit all those around us, especially our family. They need us. They need us, folks. That's the purpose of of abiding in Christ. We can carry forward the life and the ministry of Christ by blessing other people and giving them God's word. And also then giving them of our substance, our food, shelter, missionary support, church tithing, all of those things. In Christ, there is a fullness that will never be possible in any of those other three soils. It's as simple as that. So as we close, let me ask you, which of these soils are you? Which of these soils are you? Most all of us probably have confessed that we truly are saved. If you have any doubts about that, I would invite you to speak with me after this service. But if you believe that you truly are saved, let me ask you, are you perhaps, as I too often am, are you living somewhere within the miseries of that third kind of soil where everything is choked out? All your relationship with Christ is choked out with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Listen, we should not live there one moment longer. If that is where we are, we should not live there a moment longer. And so I ask you, I plead with you, won't you join with me in fully surrendering our lives to Christ, to living within this fourth soil, and to bearing the fruit that's in Christ alone? Listen to these words and we'll close. But the seed that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, 
with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray.